you for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you. We certainly hope this finds you well and in the arms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He alone is worthy. He alone is the reason we're here today, yeah, the reason we're tuning in this broadcast. I just want to shout out to you and uh, encourage you again. If you haven't taken an opportunity to uh, rate us or send a note to your local radio station, however you're listening to us, we would be really honored if you could take the time to give us a five-star review uh, or contact your radio station and say, hey, we really like those guys. And uh, can you keep this thing coming on for us? We would be quite honored if you would do that. So we've been continuing on with a exegetical verse-by-verse study of the life of Christ. We find ourselves today in the book of John, chapter 19, 33, and 34. Just before we get going with that, I want to say good morning to Kevin. How are you, brother? Good morning, sir. Major Carragher. Doing fine, sir. Tell us about your your coach. Now, your coach, some money came in, about half the money came in, I guess. You've, it needed more repairs. And tell us about that. Well, I appreciate that, Doug. It, by the way, they did a fantastic job. God was good to me. They, uh, honestly, I'm at, um, I'm at 11,000 of 18,000. That's where I'm at. And, uh, so whatever percentage that is, two thirds or something like that. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of, stuck in that holding pattern but that's that's where we're at and wanting to get it paid off and look into the lord yeah yeah so let's uh let's really pray about that for him if you folks would remember that kevin drives his home so he doesn't rent a home he 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 doesn't own a home uh he he has nothing but the coach that rides up and down the road so when we think of repairs uh that cost eighteen thousand dollars or something like that you got to remember that's his home that's his living room his bedroom his bathroom his kitchen i mean that's everything everything he owns is inside of that coach. And uh, so folks, remember that as you pray for him as we move forward. So today's words, we're talking about blood and water. And there are a couple words that are really important. And and I'm going to tell you why. And uh, first, we talked yesterday um, that they didn't, they didn't break Christ's legs. We remember that from the verses yesterday. I'm going to start a little different today. I'm going to start with the actual verses in John 19, 33 and 34. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. That's what we were talking about yesterday. They didn't have to break his legs. He's already gone. As Kevin, Kevin gets ahead sometimes. <laughs> I'm kind of proud of him. Oops. And uh, anyway, you don't have to break someone's legs when they're already dead. In the length of his death and the work of God is in this next verse. And this verse has always kind of freaked me out. I'm just being honest with you. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side and forthwith came out the blood and water. So after you've been dead for several hours or something, it takes a long time. I don't remember the exact medical term, but it takes a while for your blood and water or your plasma and the liquid part of your blood to separate. But God's work was done, Kevin. And uh, when it was done, it just went. And uh, so they poked him on the side. There was both blood and water. And uh, just like the Bible said, they preserved his legs. Uh, I don't know about you, brethren, but I know this. Christ died on the cross for my sins. And can I tell you something? Christ died on the cross for your sins. Something I got wrong, and I, I always mention this whenever we're talking about the crucifixion of Christ. 
is when I was young, people that I went to church with, people that I did things with, would always say, watch out for that Jew, they killed Christ. Can I tell you something over and over again as we move forward in the scripture, we're going to see that everybody on earth killed Christ. I'm complicit in the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I needed it. Without that, I wouldn't be saved uh, through faith by his grace. Um, my sins won't all be taken care of. I will never, folks, if you're saved, you will never stand judgment for a sin in your life. Kevin, there's so much that happened there at Calvary on Golgotha, the, the hill of, uh, of skulls, his blood leaking out all over the place, so much. Yeah, we covered that trauma yesterday, yeah. and that, <clears throat> you read a fantastic article by the doctor at Johns Hopkins. But, you know, um, this this blood and water you were touching on there is, I can't remember the word either. It's I think it might be hemo, hemodema or something like that. But it, it, it was the idea that, you know, surrounding the heart, of course, there's this membrane called the pericardium. And the pericardium is what where when you get congestive heart failure, <clears throat> in other words, you're not getting enough air, the the lungs are not processing enough air to 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 to, to give the oxygen necessary for the blood and to maintain life. So the body starts shutting down. And so water, the excess water that's not being uh, filtered through begins to accumulate in the pericardium and that in itself is god's way of helping us to shut down and die because the weight of the water squeezes into the heart so evidently this spear pierced the whole way through to jesus christ's heart so the heart was pierced and um at minimum the pericardium but, but you know why, why not the i mean they just jammed the thing in to to, to say he's dead he's dead again they broke the legs and then it was, but they didn't break his because he was dead. And the this this soldier with a spear, who just kind of brutally went, whoom, you know, that's why it was a soldier that was chosen. Plus the weapon that was in his hand. But the idea of they just jammed it up in. But out comes the, you know, the contents of of the heart and the contents of the pericardium. Both of those things proving he was dead, proving that it was an excruciating death. That that he went from the picture of health. In six hours down to the body could no longer endure it. And his heart also, we know that the sweating of drops of blood hours before this as well proved that he was in extreme trauma, uh, mental trauma. And so he is suffering literally a broken heart. And so this spear sheds the blood in the water why was it blood and water well you know uh john made a big deal of this by the way the apostle who wrote this book john the beloved disciple made a big deal of of he's the only one to notate this in the gospel account and later on in first john 5 6 this is he that came by water and blood even jesus christ not by water only but by water and blood and it, it is the spirit that beareth witness because spirit is truth and then in 5 8 it says there are three that bear witness in heaven the spirit and the water and the blood and these three agree in one so he is writing these things down he's, he's being careful to notate doug water and blood out came water and blood he came by water and blood and this is obviously, to me, picturing his humanity. He was not a, a phantom of God on earth. You know, some people say, well, you know, where Jesus said the Son of Man 
is in heaven while he's on earth. Well, that's a phantom then. He's, he's just a projection of Jesus Christ. No, he wasn't. He was human. He was fully God, fully man. And God recognizes that. And so he makes sure that, the, that John, who was really interested in defeating Gnosticism, which believed in the idea that Jesus Christ was just a a, a better version uh, of man, and then and then and that he was not really a human being. He was like a a God man in the sense of his. He was more spirit than anything else. Anyway, they were just all fouled up on that thing, and we recognize that John was saying, "No, no, 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 no." I saw my Savior pierced, and out came blood and water, meaning he died a horrible death. I was with my mother when she died recently, and you know what? She had heart failure, and I've watched her force herself to take breath because of the water pressing down on the heart. And, and praise the Lord, she let go of forcing these breaths. She let go of struggling when she heard Jesus love me, this I know sung. And she said, I can, I can, I can stop fighting because Jesus is my all in all. Yeah. And, and so many things going on, you know, we forget about the dehydration. We forget about the very blo- low blood level. It's just pouring out of his body. And, uh, you know, when it's pouring out of his body right up to his death, I mean, you're seeing blood, just pour like sweat out of his body. Like Kevin said, you know, you had that whole uh, edema thing going on. You had that. It's called hypovolemia is where you're at a low blood volume. And uh, it's hard to get people's blood after that. So when people have that, if they take you to uh, a funeral home or something like that, and they they have to, you know, remove your blood, they have a really, really hard time because the volume is so low and your blood is so thick and Jesus, he went through all that. And his his lungs probably, just like Kevin said, his heart was being pressured. His lungs had a pulmonary uh, edema. They probably couldn't get enough blood or water of any fluid because it was so thick and rich. And and uh, and and so the story goes on that we kept looking at the they only served to exasperate his breathing. Jesus was in complete heart failure and respiratory failure. Uh, he said he thirsts because his body was crying out to put water into his blood. At this stage, Jesus still going on with that same thing we talked about. Jesus probably developed a, a hemocardian, and then the fluid around his heart caused cardiac uh, tamponade, which is fluid in your heart it's prevented to breathe because of this increase. It's so the slow process of death. It's usually very slow at this point. And Jesus just died again. I'm reading the doctor's notes here. And they wanted to expedite his death. But folks, listen, we'll be right back with you. Don't go anywhere. I just looked at the time. Wow. Hang with us. Doug will return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements. So Dr. Truman Davis concludes here, his last two points at the crucifixion said, Jesus died after six hours of the most excruciating and terrifying torture ever invented. And then his last sentence is, Jesus died so ordinary people like you and me can go to heaven. And uh, that kind of tells it all. And folks, as we move forward, 
continuing on with the life of Christ. We read these verses again. We're going to dig into them just a little bit deeper now. And the Bible says over in the book of John, chapter 19, verses 33 and 34. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. So there's no need to break those legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side. And forthwith came out blood and water, all broken down, the pericardian, all those things, the lung. I mean, Jesus was, um, he died an agonizing death. I, I think, you know, some people look at Jesus on a crucifix. Some people think about the crucifixion to include me, and they didn't understand the severity. That's one of the reasons we covered that this week, the severity of the crucifixion. They don't understand just what was going on here. The pain was real. And uh, again, I love the prophecy of his legs will not be broken. He's going to be crucified, and they always break legs to make him die quicker, but not our Lord. His legs will not be broken. And uh, so instead, and then once they didn't break the legs, the guy's standing there with a spear. So let's go ahead and, and, and poke Jesus in the side. And immediately it resulted in everything coming out and uh, all the fluids coming out of his body. So it fulfills prophecy. We have evidence of death when that soldier stabbed him. Some say, well, maybe he didn't die. You know, I've seen, you know, there's conspiracy theories everywhere. And any theory that has a human name and is not from the Bible is not real. You know, like mm -hmm. we don't name, yeah, we don't name theology systems after an individual. We name it after the Bible, you know, and uh, it's it's all about God. And, uh, um you know, in Christian theology, that whole blood flow again, the flow of blood and water in Jesus' side has been interpreted in various ways. They see it as a symbol of the sacraments, of the Eucharist, some people do, a baptism, uh, both of which are associated with cleansing and redemption. And uh, again, it's something you usually don't see right away. It's still real bloody on one side. Greek words talk about having clear end, a thick blood. It, it's weird how that all worked out. And here we are again, Kevin, looking at compassion and humanity. It's worth noting that the soldier's decision not to break Jesus's leg would act of compassion for him. And then making sure he was dead, by poking him. And, and, you know, this is providing insights to the soldier's acts there at the crucifixion, emphasizing again, the fulfillment of prophecy, the confirmation of Christ's death. It's real. We saw it. He was dead. He's 100% died as a human being. Now he did, his soul didn't die. It went to heaven. God didn't die. He went to the right hand. He comes back down and visits us as we continue to go through Scripture. And he's coming back again. He's coming back in human form again, Kevin. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. And, and, but again, this affirms the completeness of Jesus' sacrifice and for our forgiveness of our crazy sins, brother. Yeah, the completeness of his sacrifice. This, I'm, I'm stuck on this whole thing, Doug, that a few hours before this, he was in top physical condition. He was at the prime of his life. He was 33 years old. They say that's the prime. And um, I think God chose him at that time. God chose his suffering at that time as an example to us of what we would consider a waste. Why keep yourself healthy? You're going to die. You know, I think a lot of people in apathy from trauma say, it's all waste. Life's, you know, life's just a waste. Then you die. You know, that whole that whole uh, dark period, that's, that's a big temptation. Jesus Christ did not do that. He kept himself 
uh, he didn't want to just slowly die before his death. He didn't want to like lose his health. He kept himself in shape. And we talked, Doug, sometimes about going to the gym and that kind of thing. And, and it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to keep yourself, even though, you know, you're going to die in condition where God can use you. And I'm, I'm kind of hanging out on that thing. And I'm also hanging out on how traumatizing it is when you realize, oh, I've entered into the period that will result most likely in my death. That's part of trauma too. Grief, call it, call it the end of life struggle. When you realize, you know what? I've got a bad diagnosis. The doc said that I've got throat cancer. The doc said I'm going to die. And all the regrets and everything that happens when you realize this is, I mean, how do you process that? And and we're here to help you process that. Yeah. One of the ways that we'd like to do that is introduce you to Jesus Christ. He went into this thing and he was submitted to God. That was the first thing that allowed him, like you said the other day, Doug, someone that went through, uh, someone that was dying, the one that called your mother every day, when yeah. he found out that he was going to die, he said, not my will, but thy will be done. So this Jesus went through that process. It was agonizing. He sweat drops of blood. It was just a terrible thing to go into. But you know what? That's part of what some of you are going through right now in this PTSD thing is part of the trauma of life is the end of life. And, you know, I was thinking about how uh, you go through something. Let's just say that you have to suffer persecution. You're in a foreign country or in America in the future here where you have to suffer for your faith. And you go through this thing like, what, 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 you know, I'm going to go through something that may end my life. How do, how do you handle that kind of thing? Corey Ten Boom was in Germany. Bad dudes came to power. Bad dudes were taking people to concentration camps and she she went with her family and they all kind of split up and she was with her sister in the same camp I, I forget her sister's name Corey Ten Boone's sister but the sister died in the concentration camp I was real hard on Corey Ten Boom why did she die because she was in this traumatizing situation where the body was so denied the 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 basic sustenance and, and that the, the, her immune system tanked and then her blood pressure tanked and then she died and when she was miraculously released Corey was she said where's papa where's papa and they said he died quickly he he didn't last when he was toted off to the concentration camp the the punishment was so brutal that his body began a decline he was in he his finish line came early and I see Jesus Christ here going from the height of physical fitness through a process in the in the arena of hatred against him. He opened not his mouth. He took it. And Doug, I just I want to if when worse comes to worse and people are gonna send me off to heaven, I wanna go like Jesus went on the victory side. Yeah, on the winning side. You know, I never mentioned this episode. The words are reliable witness and everything Christ went through, fulfilled in prophecy. Everything that said was going to happen, happened. And, you know, so the practical movement in my mind today is for us being reliable. Uh, for us, fulfilling what we say we're going to fulfill or just being up front with people and say, hey, I messed this up. One of the things I did with my kids, especially, you know, as they got older and in high school and college and things of that nature, I would say, I'm sure, I'm sure going to try to do this. And nine out of 10 times we did it, but I didn't want to be in a position where I let them down to the point. We're definitely going to do this. And, uh, 
I remember uh, one of my sons had graduated from high school. Whenever my kids graduated from something, I'd, I'd go for a walk specifically with them in the neighborhood, and I looked at my son. I don't want to call out his name. There's only two of them. You'd be 50% right if you guess. But uh, I said, you know, I'm sorry that I raised you in the military, and now we're missionaries, and we travel all over, and you spent your life making new friends and all that. And my son stopped me, and he, he stopped me right in the street, and he grabbed me. He said, Dad. I had the best life that anybody could ever have. He said, I learned so much. And uh, he says, you know, there's so much character in our house. He said, it's just hard to imagine uh, that I could live a life without living it this way. And uh, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking that to myself, you know, far too often we, we give our kids ways out. Well, maybe I miss, no. My son said, man, I wouldn't want to live it any other way. Just live for God. Be a reliable witness. Step out when he says step out. Go out when he says go out. Love people when he says love people. And folks, just going back to where we started, compassion and responsibility. You guys are awesome. Thanks for taking the time to tune us in. We'll make sure that we're back with you next Monday morning. May God bless you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, understand that there is a cost to our sin as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.